Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. This is everything you need for tips, tricks, and things to just be generally awesome. I'm your host, Amanda. And I'm your host, Claire. And this is RDH Bites. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to RDH Bites. Today, we have a special NBDHE update episode with our co-host, Claire. Hi, Claire. Hello. Isn't that great? It's you and me today. Yeah. It'll be fun. But yeah, I wanted to talk about the NBDHE guidelines today. So that's for American students because, you know, every year they come up with the new guideline. They keep though updating it continuously over the, even during the year as well. But there was a new one that came up in January. And I know we have lots of questions from students about, you know, is there any update that I should know about? So I thought everybody should probably could benefit from this information. So we're going to dissect it. I have it right in front of my eyes right now. And I'm going to tell you which page to look at, what to look at. So when you have the NBDHE guideline, you can download it. You can just Google NBDHE 2022 and you can follow what I'm talking about as well. And students, if you've not downloaded this already, I highly recommend that you download this, have it available, look over it. And like Claire said, have it ready during this podcast episode. So Claire, what has changed in the new 2022 guideline? So if you are familiar with the 2021 guideline, just in case, actually not much has changed. So good news for you if you are familiar with that. If you do not know what I'm talking about, that is okay because I would love to go through the important things anyhow with everybody. That includes question types, how many questions you're going to get, how the bricks work and things like that. Good. Yeah. And I, you know, I think we've gotten a lot of questions at Student RDH about what's the difference between the short form and the standard form. And a lot of people refer to it as the long form. So we are 100% back to standard form in the U.S. There is no more short form examination as of 2022. So Claire, what is the scope of this exam? And that is the hard part. So when we talk about the scope, that's basically asking what is the NBDHE going to ask me? And I'm going to read it from it's page number five on the NBDHE guidelines. You know, there are six areas that are biomedical sciences, radiology, periodontics, dental hygiene, curriculum, dental hygiene, clinical and community oral health. And then if you continue down the road, then, then the same page, you can see that they talk about what is called the discipline-based component. That's 200 items. And under that, I'm just going to read it. It says scientific basis for dental hygiene, provisions of dental hygiene services, and community health research principles. Now let's think about this together. 200 questions on scientific basis for dental hygiene practice. That can include your dental anatomy, your head and neck anatomy. What about microbiology? What about our bacteria? All of those are considered science. So you can have an idea of that already. When they talk about provisions of dental hygiene, clinical dental hygiene services, think about it. You're in a clinic, you provide your best dental hygiene care. What does that include? That includes maybe EOIO, dental examination. That could include obviously probing. What about dental hygiene diagnosis? What about dental caries, charting that? What about anxiety? That's also part of it. And perio, obviously, radiology, even fluoride, even let's say desensitizing agents, or maybe even 
some impression material. So those are the things included in what they call provisions of clinical dental hygiene services. So basically, a lot of, if you had that class that is called process of care, that's what it was called in my school, with process of care one, two, three, four, that's, you combine science, but really how do you treat the patient? So that's a big portion of it, 150 questions. So whenever you're learning things like that, always think, how am I going to apply this in a real life scenario? And then the last part, let's not forget, community and research. Ah, okay. Were you a big fan of community, Amanda, when you were at school? I was not. And if my teacher could hear me say that now, Laura, say, if you're out there listening, I'm so sorry. Community dentistry was not my favorite. But I will tell you, I just did a substitute lecture for one of my coworkers in community and it went really well. I was a lot more interested now than I was as a student. So, true. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can relate to you uh, with you because community was not my strong suit. I'm like, this is tough. It is tough because it's not black and white. And exactly. the NBDHE loves community. You can see that there are only 24 questions, but let's do the math. 24 questions out of 200 questions, that's over 10%. That's actually 12% of the first part of the NBDG is community. So the rest, which is head and neck anatomy, dental anatomy, microbiology, all the things that you have learned, maybe 15 or 20 other classes you had at school, that composed the rest, about 90% of the first section. So I just wanted to emphasize how big community is, how big research principle plays here. And obviously there's some statistics you need to know, populations, you know, the health letters that our Professor Mitchell and Professor Dennis has gone through together. It was just a wonderful episode. If you have not two episodes heard them, please do. They have amazing references. They really made it easy for you to understand those difficult concepts. Anyhow, that is community health. Now we're not done yet. Then we have... No, (laughs) we're not even close. I want to ask real quick, Claire... Related to community health, can you tell us a little bit about a testlet? I get a lot of questions. What is a testlet? How is it different from a case? (laughs) Good question. Very good question. Testlet is basically a mini scenario of a community health scenario. So, for example, in the NBDHE guideline, you can also find a testlet. They give you an example of what it actually looks like. So that's page number 10. And there's a community profile. They say this town is a coal mine. There's coal mining companies. The population is this. There's three bullet points, but basically a few paragraph of what is going on in that specific area. It could be a school. It could be like here, a sort of specific community in especially rural areas. Okay. And they give you a bunch of statistics, such as in this case, the DEFT, DMFT, and the DMFT, which is for the adults, and the GI indexes. And they give you a little bit of synopsis of what the dental hygienist is doing or the dentist is doing and what the patient or they are having issues with. And they give you about five questions, such as, 
what does this population, what can they benefit from? And you could be, for example, look at fluoridation. You can look like at preventative care. There's going to be or cancer screening. And the problem, though, is not a problem, but what's difficult here is a test led, especially with the community scenario, it's difficult to solve because sometimes a lot, every answer choice or many answer choice make sense. Because if you are, for example, you have a question, say, which of the following is best in this scenario? You're like, obviously, fluoridation is good. We learned that. Or cancer screening makes sense as well. Yes, maybe desensitizing toothpaste. Yeah, I mean, maybe not the best answer, but yeah, that makes sense as well. And obviously, coming to the clinic more often, that makes sense too. So it's hard sometimes because you're in that seat when you have to really think critically. So... My advice here is to really take it as what is best, okay? Not what is correct here, because a lot of things can make sense. However, sometimes there's a best scenario, just like I always give this example to our students, saying if you are graduating, have you prepared your outfit? I mean, maybe heels make sense, makes you look good, right? But flats make sense as well, because you're going to walk. And maybe you actually want to have sneakers because that's cool as well. You know, all of those, yes. But what is the best in that specific scenario? So yes. long story short, that is a Tesla scenario and f- about five questions. Okay, so it's kind of like a mini case, but it's related to community dentistry. Mm-hmm. Perfect. So yeah, just to add on to that, then you don't have just like a, a real case study. You won't have the chart. You will not have the radiograph the patient profile or, you know, the detailed charting. So it's more just a description of a specific scenario in a specific town or school. So it's more of a community profile Mm -hmm. than a specific individual patient. Perfect. Yes. Yes. And students, I want to point out that just like Claire said, a lot of times there's more than one correct answer, but they're asking you to choose the best answer. And that is dependent upon each individual caselet, each individual situation. So pay close attention, figure out what indices they might be using, things like that. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> moving forward. We've made it through yeah. session one and session, you know what I mean? So Let's get to the case study portion. What is a case study? What can we look forward to, you know, as far as the information Mm. that's included in our case studies? So, yes, let's pretend you've gone through 200 questions. That's session one. I call it session one, which is really the first portion. Now you have case studies. Now, how many? 12 to 15 cases. And each case can have about... 10 questions if we think there's 15 cases. Now, case studies are a lot more comprehensive. So it's just like a real patient you have on, in your chair. So you're going to see charts, a comprehensive dental chart, a comprehensive patient profile, and that includes, for example, the patient's medication, medical conditions, chief complaints, when they came last to your office, what procedure happened, when. And sometimes a little bit about their social economic demographic. And then we have radiograph and then photograph. So there's going to be four different tabs. You'll have to click through those in order to solve the case. You're going to put all those ingredients together to solve each question. Now, those questions can vary from something 
fairly simple, such as the patient's hypertension in this case, you know, and you see their blood pressure is what, you know, so you 125 over 81. And then you have to determine, yes, from one of those, you know, you go with what's the highest. So always among those two numbers, always think worst case scenario, actually. So yes, (laughs) so it could be simple like that, right? Pretty straightforward, but it could be pretty complicated, such as they give you four answer choices and they make you think the patient might have forgotten to tell you that he or she's taking which of the following medication. And now you have to flip through, for example, the patient's profile to see what medical conditions they're having and thinking, okay, they have diabetes, but they never told me that they're taking medications or, you know, they had cancer previously or whatever that is. Or sometimes you will have to go back to the pictures and say, I see lots of enlarged gingiva, but that doesn't look like gingivitis. That that looks like maybe drug-induced gingival enlargement. And then you have to think, okay, what among those, what could potentially be something that could have caused that, for example, calcium channel blocker, that is a hypertension drug, can cause gingival enlargement. So you have to really dig deeper, not just by reading the case per se, but really looking at the pictures and even the radiograph. For example, they ask you, you know, what do you think? Look at the radiograph. They don't even tell you which quadrant. They say, which condition do you think the patient may have? And then you have to look at maybe the medications list. Or maybe you see a milloblastoma, you see some bubble-like features in their jaw. And you have to deduct that saying, that looks a little abnormal compared to the rest. Maybe they have a milloblastoma. So there's just so many layers to this. So it could be from, again, simple to very complicated questions. And those are the case studies. That's 150 questions for you. I know it's a whole lot. It's like seeing 10 patients all of a sudden. But my advice here is take it slow. You know, three words, take it slow. Why? Students, I feel like sometimes, and this is second session after lunch, we want to go fast because we're tired. We want to go home. We want to watch Netflix. (laughs) (laughs) Netflix didn't exist when I was uh, taking my boards. But yeah, if it was right now, what would I be watching on the side note? I am currently watching Prodigal Son. Mm. Okay, show. Okay, show. I like Michael Sheen. Yeah, I like him a lot. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, you're like, I can't wait to go home, buy a tub of ice cream. That would be great. But we still need to go through 10 cases and they are very difficult. What happens is that I see students read the case once and they go through 10 questions because again, you're tired. You want to go a little faster, but there's so many details in that case that you could have missed that you, that is not always obvious that you might have to read once or twice and even radiograph. Think about it. There's no way we're going to grasp the entire radiograph in one read. We have to go back saying, wait, was that really calculus there? You know, so my suggestion is take it slow. And whenever you have a question, Pretend that this is a real, well, just like particle sun does, a criminal case and find all the evidence that you need. So go back to the case and say, I see the evidence right here, medication, or I see the evidence right here, patient's chart or radiograph and find your answer that way. I almost never hear students saying I failed because I ran out of time. We all have a lot of time, right? 
Especially for the case studies. Mm -hmm. There's more time per question yeah. for the case study mm -hmm. because they're expecting you to analyze that information and then choose the best answer. I am a big advocate. I say this in the clinic. I say this during the board situations. Use all of your information. Don't rely solely on the dental chart or the radiographs or the periodontal chart. All of your information needs to go into the decision for that question. And like Claire said, read the case, read the question, read the case, read the question as many times as it takes for you to understand what they're asking and what the best answer choice would be. Always that mentality, the best answer choice, not just the only one answer choice. So, hey, if that can give you one or two points, I'll be happy. <laughs> yes, me too. Yes. Me too. Mm -hmm. While we're talking about the case studies, Claire, I wanted to ask, sometimes students ask us, are we going to see an old-fashioned chart or a digital chart for case studies? What advice can you give to our students? It can be both. It can be the old school style <laughs> chart. So right. on that note, just just be ready for whatever comes your way. <laughs> 100%. I mean, just read it. Yeah. You know, read what's on the screen. Don't assume that it's the same as what's in your clinic. Read what's on the screen. Next, I want to ask, what are the basic question types? And I know in 2021, there was a question type taken away, but now it's Back. So what are our question types for 2022? Very simple. There are four question types I'm reading right now, page 11 under the NBDHE guideline. The first one, they call it completion. So it's something, something, and then kind of blank at the end, such as in this case, this is the NBDHE, the sensation of touch, pain, pressure, or temperature is determined by the, and then you have a blank. So pretty simple. The second one, they call it the pair true and false. So it's First statement and second statement, you can't imagine that, right? Two sentences put together and you have to determine whether well, each statement is true and false and you choose an answer. The third one is very simple, question type, something, something, question mark. Which of the following is a muscle mastication, question mark? That's about it. And then the fourth one, they call it the negative. So something except... So basically, th three of them are correct and one of them is incorrect. The exception question can be just a little bit harder just because, you know, you've been going through hundreds of questions that is has one good answer choice. In this case, it's the reverse. So it's kind of putting your pants backwards. It's weird. It's awkward all of a sudden for your brain to do. So if you see an accept question, just pause for a second and say, okay, I'm here supposed to find the incorrect one. You have to just change your mindset quickly. And then I always say, play the true and false game. See if A is true, B is true, C is true, D is false. Again, change your mindset. Be ready to put that pair of pants backwards and then change again your mindset to go back to the normal. One of them is correct format. So simple though, again, four, only four you don't have to worry about the rest. They might be some though experimental questions that are a little different. And the NBDHE guideline says they are experimental questions. That's page number 12. So be ready to see some things that are like, that was not on my guideline. That's not what Claire said. That's not what Professor Mitchell said. But know that they're just there. They're trying to test some statistical things for the next round of students. So if that happens, you're like, I've never seen that question format before. It's okay. Don't freak out. Just try your best. Exactly. 
I was in the test group for the first statement, second statement questions. Mm. And that was, mm-hmm. we were like, do they count? Do they yeah. not? It just depends on how well we did on them. Mm-hmm. So, whew, yeah, don't worry, guys. And you have, don't forget, you've got your dry erase paper. So if you're stuck on something, use your paper, think it out, just slow down. Yep. All right, Claire. So we're getting toward the end here. Yeah. How long do you usually think students have to wait to get their results for their national board exam? We all want that, right? Just immediate result. <laughs> Unfortunately, yes. it's not immediate. Page 13 I'm reading is three to four weeks, but usually students say they, they get it a little earlier than that. But you go just where you signed up and you see your account. And I'm just really hoping and praying you get that just... Four letters, P-A-S-S. Yes, pass. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah, it, it, sometimes it takes as little as two weeks. Sometimes it takes as long as four weeks. There's no way for us to tell. It's definitely based on how many people have taken the tests in a given time. So as hard as this is, you just have to be patient. We've all been there. Mm-hmm. I know. <laughs> Ours was in the mail, so we didn't even know when it was coming. You know, we just had to watch the mail every day. Mm-hmm. Okay. Next, we have a couple of questions about antibiotics. And it used to be that clindamycin was the second choice behind amoxicillin. And now that has changed. But Claire, I think you have a little insight here for us about the boards and whether they change this information quickly. Did you not know what we're talking about is, so there are patients with all sorts of allergy, right? We, me, myself, and I, I have a cilantro allergy. No, it's not real, real allergy, it's a preference, but I'm allergic to some metals. That's why you never actually really see me wearing jewelries. But drug allergy is very common. So always the first drug of choice is amoxicillin. But if patients is allergic to amoxicillin, as Professor Mitchell said, the second choice was this thing called clindamycin. Now, the problem with clindamycin is they find out now scientifically gives you a lot of nausea, pain. It's just not fun for the patient. And actually, a lot of gastrointestinal problems themselves were triggered by clindamycin. So they say, okay, let's stop doing that. Now, the second drug of choice if you're allergic to penicillin is ampicillin or cefazolin or ceftriazone. Now, we got that information. However, here's the important part. This is a 2021 update. That does not mean the NBDHE guideline is going to reflect that right away. If you think about the AAP classification, it took about four years for that to be updated in the examination. So as student RDH, we give you the old guideline. We also give you this new guideline, but I want you to also pay attention to the old one because it's very rare that immediately within six months, they change the question. If you think about it, there are a lot of contributors. It goes through a very extensive review process that can take years. So my advice is know both. We have updated our guidelines like that too, but we did not delete the old one just in case you needed it. And we see this as soon as information becomes available. And it's been this way for blood pressure. It's been this way for the AAP classifications. And now it's this way for antibiotics. That's just part of lifelong learning and getting our CEs as healthcare providers. Yes. Perfect. So Claire, I have one last question for you. A lot of students have been asking, you know, with the pandemic going on, if I am sick, 
Can I reschedule my testing date? Yes, the short answer is yes, you can. It says here on page 16, 24 hours, okay? You need a full day business day notice before the original appointment. There's gonna be a $25 charge, which is completely fine if you think about it. So if you're sick, not feeling well, or also if you just wanna reschedule because you need more time, it's okay. So you can still do that available for you. You're not completely locked, okay? Just go in the examination when you feel fully ready. I 1000% agree. If you are not feeling well, that is not a good day. If you got food poisoning, reschedule your exam. Don't take it because you want to get it over with. Reschedule your exam. Mm -hmm. It's worth the $25. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Great. Well, I think we covered a lot of information. Do you have any other, you know, last second tips that you want to add to this episode? What are you thinking? So one last thing is uh, maybe I wanted to talk about the, um, you you get a laminated sheet. So Professor Mitchell called it a dry erase board, but it's more dry board because you cannot erase it. So there's a laminated sheet and they give you a Sharpie. So you can write as many notes as you want on that one sheet. If you need more, you just raise your hand saying, I need another one. They will give you another one. You cannot erase it just because they don't want you to just cheat or or put some information in there that can help other students or whatever that is. I think we can understand that. But when you sit down, that's just one thing I would like to say is use that board. Okay, it's not just there to be pretty if You want to write something such as some of the case studies, important findings, put it there. If you have anxiety and you actually need to create a sentence for yourself saying, I feel anxious. Okay, that's fine. But you say, I can do it or I can take uh, 10 deep breaths. You, if you, it makes you feel better to actually write a diary on it. Just write a diary on it too. So I'm saying use that board to the best of your, you know, capacity. Sometimes it is hypertension guideline. Just draw that chart. Fluoride supplement, draw that chart. If you need five sheets, that's okay. I probably went through about three to five sheets that day. I just needed to write things out as I was solving the cases, as I was trying to solve hypertension guidelines. So know that is there. One last thing is you can ask for earplugs. That's what my test center let me do. Okay, but they're also kind of earmuffs ready for you at the test center because there are a lot of other students in the same room. So if you need more peace and quiet, use those. Don't let other people distract you. It's your time. It's your day. Do whatever makes you feel comfortable. And that's it. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. I agree. I took the noise-canceling headphones. I said, I need it. I need to concentrate. Just snag those headphones with COVID protocols. Everything is clean. So (laughs) don't worry about that. Take the headphones, take the earplugs if you can. Great. Well, Claire, thank you so much. I think this was really helpful for our students, for our faculty members, preparing their students for the national board. As always, it was great to have you on the podcast and to record with you. (laughs) I love recording with you and uh, just Best of luck for all of our students. Honestly, it's not just luck. It's your effort, you know, your focus, all your hard work is going to pay off. I agree. Mm-hmm. You've got this. <laughs> yeah. Stay positive, everybody. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Claire. All right. Listeners, we'll talk to you next week. Everybody have a great week. Bye. Bye. Hey, everybody. This is your co-host, Amanda, with a quick announcement. 
Have you looked at our VIP package yet? This has everything you need to help pass your national board exam. Whether you live in the United States, Canada, or really anywhere, our VIP package has something for everybody. We have recorded lectures, live lectures, curated and calibrated content made just for you to help you pass. Visit us today at studentrdh.com to sign up and for more information. See you next time.